48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. The government suspends face-to-face teaching for primary one to three students as the COVID-19 situation worsens. The suspension gets a mixed reaction from parents whose children are affected and more patrons of a dance club in Wan Chai come down with COVID-19, including five dance teachers. Face-to-face classes for primary one to three children are being suspended for two weeks from Monday. Officials say the coronavirus situation in Hong Kong is deteriorating rapidly. Wendy Wong reports. The move announced by Health Secretary Sophia Chan comes just over a week after the authorities ordered kindergartens to close for a fortnight due to outbreaks of upper respiratory tract infections. Professor Chan says it's worrying that the various infection control measures in place failed to prevent these outbreaks, and it doesn't bode well for the new COVID wave either. As the transmission routes of upper respiratory tract infections and COVID-19 are similar, if COVID spreads at schools, the risk posed to the community is very high, she said. Professor Chan says officials will make assessments later on as to whether the class suspensions need to be extended, adding that authorities don't rule out suspending all classes at primary and secondary schools if the coronavirus situation worsens. She's urging people to be extra vigilant against the virus and avoid unnecessary gatherings, warning that otherwise there will be an unstoppable wave of infections. The health chief also says taxi drivers and care home workers will be among those forced to take COVID-19 tests, in addition to patients who show symptoms when they visit the doctors. A Miss Chen, who has a grandson studying in primary three, says she backs the government's move. Under these situations, health is actually the most important. But of course, I am a bit worried how much they learned. Since they've been taking online classes since the last school year, therefore I'll help him with his studies because I'm really worried whether the children can concentrate. But the government's decision has created an uproar on parents' groups on social media, with some saying it's unfair when businesses like pubs can stay open. Michelle, who has a son studying in primary two, says she agrees with the class suspension, but the notice is too short for her to make proper preparations. We didn't prepare and we still have to work, so we may have to allocate our son to maybe another private teacher or whatever. Another class is because the Zoom class is actually quite complicated for the kids and they are not so used to it before. We actually had a very hard time before and we are still trying to overcome it. So this time it comes again, so we have to get some ready again. A coronavirus outbreak involving a dance club in Wan Chai is worsening after nine more people linked to the cluster came down with COVID-19. Here's Wendy Wong again. The latest cases linked to the Starlight Dance Club were among 26 new infections confirmed by health authorities today, with 21 of them locally acquired cases. Five of the nine cases linked to the dance club on Lockhart Road were dance instructors. Preliminary tests on seven other people who have been to the club also came back positive, as officials tried to track down about 100 people who visited the club from Thursday to Saturday last week. Dr. Tran Shukwan of the Centre for Health Protection warned that the infections might spread further because the dance instructors taught at other venues as well. At least uh, three dancing uh, studios are involved according to our preliminary information. The first one is the Starlight Dance Studio. The second one is the Heavily Dance and the third one is the dance culture. Heavenly Dance is located in Shenwan and Dance Culture is in Causeway Bay. 
A 75-year-old businesswoman who visited Starlight last week was confirmed to have the infection yesterday. Meanwhile, a construction worker, a security guard and a taxi driver were among nine untraceable local cases announced today. Three housewives who live in Chinwan, North Point and Mongkok also contracted the virus. One of them was at a birthday party attended by 100 people at the Broadway nightclub in Chui. There were also more than 40 preliminary positive cases and many of them are untraceable. Five imported cases were also reported involving travellers who flew in from India, Pakistan, the UK and Romania. The High Court has heard that University of Hong Kong professor Cheung Ki Chung, who's on trial for murdering his wife, became short-tempered after falling ill months before his spouse died. Mr Cheung's former colleague Derek Ho told the court Mr Cheung would not normally throw a tantrum over mistakes, but this happened after his discharge from hospital. You're listening to the RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. The police have been searching Chinese universities' campus for evidence that a graduation day protest there yesterday harmed national security. Beijing has welcomed the investigation, saying the protest was incited by extremely unpopular people. Damon Pang reports. Around a dozen officers took photographs of different parts of the campus and examined what appeared to be signs of graffiti. Journalists and camera crews following them were told to back off, with officers saying they were carrying confidential documents. The police earlier said they suspected the protesters, many of them dressed in graduation gowns and wearing Guy Fox masks, had breached the national security law with slogans and banners advocating Hong Kong independence. Beijing's liaison office has issued a statement saying it fully supports the police's decisive action in relation to the brief protest. The office says people should only be at university campuses to learn and not to make trouble and violate the law. It claims that a very small group of people intoxicated students for political gain, adding that these people are extremely unpopular. The Education Bureau earlier condemned the protesters, as did the university's management, which called in the police over the demonstration. The Ombudsman is being urged to probe the decision by RTHK management to reopen an investigation into complaints about reporter Nabella Koza. A former union official says the move could have wider implications affecting all Hong Kong civil servants. Francis Sitt reports. TV reporter Nabella Koser was originally cleared of any wrongdoing after complaints flooded in over her tough questioning of the authorities during last year's protest, along with many comments praising her. But management at the station reopened the investigation into the journalist in September and extended her probation period as a civil servant by four months. Following a report to the Ombudsman, former staff union chairwoman Janet Mack accused RTHK management of abusing their power. Ms. Mack that it's unfair to investigate the same complaints against Ms. Koza twice. According to civil service operation, a case closed is closed. That cannot be reopened on the same issue, on the same charges. Should there be proper procedures for the RTHK management to follow, this procedure has to be seen to be fair. Ms. Mack also says she's worried RTHK and other government departments could arbitrarily reopen more old complaint cases once this one is established, saying this would affect all civil servants, even those who are retired. You will be very cautious in doing your work as a reporter. He or she will not dare to ask the question for the audience or for the public because they have to protect themselves extend to other civil servants. This will be a very widespread and negative effect. 
RTHK management said earlier that the government has established mechanisms and procedures to handle employment matters relating to civil servants. It said it does not comment on individual cases. Canada's ambassador to China has spoken virtually to two Canadians held on spying charges on the mainland. Ottawa says the envoy was given virtual consular access to businessman Michael Spavor on Tuesday last week and to former diplomat Michael Kovrig yesterday. It's the second such contact for the two men who were detained after the arrest of Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou in Vancouver on a US warrant almost two years ago. The mainland firm Sinopharm says nearly a million people have received its experimental coronavirus vaccine, although it hasn't yet provided any clear clinical evidence of efficacy. Richard Pine has details. Sinopharm chairman Liu Jingjian told state-owned media this week that they haven't received a single report of a severe adverse reaction and only a few people had some mild symptoms. Authorities in the mainland have been giving experimental COVID-19 vaccines to people since July and the country now has four vaccines in late-stage testing. Sinopharm is testing two vaccines in late-stage trials outside the country, with Beijing saying that it has largely brought the virus under control within its borders. Sinopharm claims to be leading the world in all aspects of vaccine development, but hasn't offered clinical evidence from their trials. It has instead cited anecdotal experiences from those who've been inoculated, including construction personnel, diplomats and overseas students, who it says have gone on to visit more than 150 countries without being infected. Many who have been inoculated in the mainland are not formal participants in drugmakers' trials and are said to have done so voluntarily. A coronavirus lockdown in the state of South Australia will be lifted early after the man who caused it was found to have lied about working in a pizza bar. The police initially said the man would not be prosecuted, but a task force is now reviewing that decision. The BBC's Phil Mercer has the story. The authorities say a man infected with COVID-19 wasn't a customer at a pizza shop in Adelaide, which was a coronavirus hotspot, but a member of staff. His initial account led health officials to believe that given his brief exposure to the disease in the restaurant, they were dealing with a new super strain of the virus. It sent the state of South Australia into a sudden and hard lockdown. It's now clear the man worked closely alongside a colleague who tested positive for the coronavirus. Police in Germany say they've reason to believe that a man whose bones were found in a Berlin forest 10 days ago was a victim of cannibalism. The 44-year-old, named only as Stefan T, was reported missing two months ago. Here's the BBC's Jenny Hill. A murder inquiry has begun and police have arrested a German man in his 40s, said to be a maths teacher, on suspicion of sexually motivated murder. The case is reminiscent of the so-called Cannibal of Rottenburg. In 2001, Armin Maivus achieved notoriety after he killed and dismembered a man he'd met online before consuming parts of his body. To sports, and we start with tennis. Rafael Nadal has reached the last four at the season-ending ATP World Tour Finals in London. The world number two needed three sets to get past Stefanos Tsitsipas, 6-4, 4-6, 6-2, and will face Daniel Medvedev in the semis. Nadal last reached the semis five years ago and is looking to win the tournament for the first time. Well, I still won two matches like last year. No, uh, last year I was a little bit unlucky to not be in that semifinals. Uh, the year before I had to pull out. Uh, yeah. Mm. You know, it's, it's always difficult to play here uh, against the best players of the world every single day, end of the season, most of the time that you get here a little bit tired. But uh, this year is a little bit different, no? Um, 
just decided to win that semifinals and I'm going to try, I hope to be ready to try my, my, my best. To football and the new look Hong Kong Premier League is set to kick off this weekend. After the 14-game season, the top four teams will compete in a playoff to crown the league champions. The bottom four after 14 games will fight it out to avoid relegation. Local football resumed last month with games in the Sapling Cup, where some of the less fancied teams have impressed. Here's our football commentator Chris K. L. Lau. The Sapling Cup is nearing its group conclusion. Now, interestingly, a surprise team have been Happy Valley, who could also feature well in the Premier League. As they've reached the semi-finals along with Easton from Group B, Happy Valley stunned Easton 2-1 early in the group stages and further wins over Resources Capital secured the semi-final Sapling Cup spot. Happy Valley have made a very significant signing in Robert Udu, who has really inspired the team to really excel. Another challenger could be Tinsley White Pegasus, who have signed a contingent of Brazilian players. Players include Antonio da Silva, a winger who has played 150 games in Brazil's Division 1. There's also Junior Giano, who's a centre-back. Next is Jose de Santos, who has played in J-League 2 in Japan. And finally, Bernardo da Silva, who is an offensive midfielder and a former Brazil national youth player. There are eight teams, and a new playoff system could mean a very open field. So let's see who goes for it, and let's see who can win the league. Easton will kick off the league season tomorrow at Moncock Stadium against newly promoted Resources Capital, while Champions Kitchy will begin their title defence on Sunday against Lee Mann. And for a preview of this weekend's English Premier League action, here's the BBC's Maz Faruqi. Premier League managers have been anxiously following their players on international duty over the last few weeks, monitoring not just their fitness, of course, but whether any have returned positive COVID-19 tests. Liverpool are one team badly impacted already with injuries. This week, club captain Jordan Henderson had to leave the England camp with a niggle and Egypt's Mohamed Salah tested positive for coronavirus, which will make the visit of the league leaders Leicester on Sunday that much more of a challenge. Tottenham edged Liverpool on goal difference to sit second in the table heading into the weekend, but have a real test against Manchester City on Saturday in this weekend's other standout tie. City sit 10th, but will be boosted by the news this week of a new contract at the club for boss Pep Guardiola. Midfielder Kevin De Bruyne also confirmed he has started talks for a new deal. Also on Saturday, Chelsea play at Newcastle, Aston Villa face Brighton and all eyes will be on Paul Pogba when Manchester United take on West Brom after the France international's latest comments hinting that he feels unsettled at Old Trafford. Leeds against Arsenal on Sunday should be another fantastic game. Fulham host Everton while Sheffield United are still targeting a first league win. They play West Ham. A reminder of our top stories tonight. The government suspends face-to-face teaching for primary one to three students as the COVID-19 situation worsens and more patrons of a dance club in Wan Chai come down with COVID-19, including five dance teachers. The news from RTHK. RTHK, Radio 3. It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's Newswrap programme. Professor Benjamin Cowling from the University of Hong Kong says social distancing measures may well have to be tightened because of a resurgence in local COVID-19 cases. He was asked by RTHK's Jim Gould if the fourth wave of infections is already upon us. Yeah, that's what it looks like right now. I I think we'll know more within the next few days. What we saw in early to July was we were getting 10 cases a day and then 20 cases a day and then fairly soon it was 
30, 40, 50 cases a day within about a week of that. So that's my concern right now. So what could be the cause of then of this latest wave? I mean, like Halloween was three weeks ago, large numbers of people out and about. Could that have been a factor? I think we learned in the second wave and the third wave that when we do not have a lot of social distancing measures in place, so when people are going to work as normal, um, when restaurants, bars and, and, and other uh, leisure facilities are open, there is the potential for COVID to spread. It just takes a few sparks. And we've got that now with the dance club outbreak and maybe a few other outbreaks as well. So I, I would expect uh, there will be transmission now and we'll have to bring back some of those social distancing measures that were effective in March, that were effective in July, uh, in ending the second wave and the third wave. We'll need those measures again to end this fourth wave. So what measures exactly? So the working at home was really effective when the government instructed civil servants to work at home and a lot of private businesses also followed suit. Uh, that really helped a lot to bring the transmission down, to, to slow down transmission. And then the other measure that's important is the closure of uh, places where super spreading events could occur, like bars, like dance clubs, like karaoke parlours. Um, and the restrictions in restaurants, I think, will help as well. So uh, closing in-school classes for primary one to three pupils, uh, is that a sensible precaution? I, I don't think that measure will have a lot of effect on COVID, but my understanding is that when there are a lot of kids sick with common colds uh, because of concern about COVID, those children will be tested for COVID and then that uses up laboratory capacity which, which would otherwise be available to test other people that might have COVID, like taxi drivers or teachers or whoever else in the community that, that the government wants to test. So I think the closure of uh, the grades one to three in primary schools maybe would allow the laboratory cap capacity to be freed up for testing for COVID. Uh, another way to solve that problem would be to increase laboratory testing capacity, of course. And how about the possibility of suspending all primary and secondary school classes? Uh, it's, it's certainly certainly an option. I know in other countries uh, the governments are trying really hard not to have to close schools because it's not a particularly important measure to stop COVID from spreading. We haven't seen COVID outbreaks in schools and it's very disruptive to parents um, and to the community. In Hong Kong, we are more experienced with school closures than, than other places in the world. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if schools are closed, but I don't think it would really be a, a very important measure for COVID. Um, I think the work at home and the closure of the, 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 the places where super spreading events would occur, those measures would be more important. Now, we're, we're also expecting a lot of students to be heading home from overseas for the Christmas holidays. Uh, so do we need to tighten up the quarantine arrangements? I, I think it's gradually been tightened over the past six months already. And now I think those students would have to stay in a hotel. They wouldn't be able to stay in their home uh, for the quarantine period. So that may discourage some of those students from coming back to Hong Kong anyway. Um, and I think that the reason for quarantine is to prevent infections from getting into the community. And that's really, really important when we're at zero local infections. But right now, we're not at zero. We had 10 or 20 a day at the moment. So limiting an infection from coming in from the US or Europe is not going to make as much difference now as it would have done maybe a month ago or maybe after the fourth wave is over. Developing countries have raised concerns about how widely available new COVID-19 vaccines will be when distribution eventually starts. 
The World Trade Organization will hold informal talks on calls for patents on all COVID vaccines and medicines to be suspended so that everyone can have access. Yuan Chong from Médecins Sans Frontières told the BBC's James Cottonall about the calls from the likes of South Africa, India and others. They are looking for a temporary suspension um, so that government can choose not to enforce, implement and apply a couple of intellectual property um, provisions under WTO rule and concerning uh, COVID-19 medical tools, as you said, including medicines, um, vaccines, and also PPE and ventilator mask. Those tools, if under IP protection, then could be t- uh, temporarily um, suspended. So those things would then be available, presumably, much more cheaply than they might otherwise be. Exactly. And also it will allow more countries to start producing and supplying to themselves. And you can see why that might have quite a lot of support around the world. What about those who are against it? What are their concerns? Yeah, from what we understood, there are a couple of reasons um, the opponent um, countries are concerning. For instance, they argue that um, that could potentially undermine the incentive to uh, pharmaceutical companies um, to come up with new products. But we also think um, in this pandemic, there's a unprecedented public funding that are accelerating the uh, research and development. The incentive is really to uh, get the work around and get our lives back. Um, they also argue there's no clear evidence that intellectual property is a barrier. Um, we also um, sort of disagree with this argument because that we have seen many examples when um, intellectual property such as patent has been used by the companies without any difference from before the pandemic. Some companies decide very uh, restricted uh, agreements and excluding countries who have manufacturer capacity who suffer from that from from this pandemic um, and other companies um, have no kind of plan. For instance, we are talking about Pfizer vaccine. There has no plan and sign that Pfizer is going to license or transfer the technology mm. to boost the, the production and supply. This sort of demand on such a scale to get rid of patents, is there a precedent for it? Um, yeah, in WTO regime, there has been a couple of incidences in the, in the past uh, when a kind of temporary waiver were were kind of agreed upon by by all of the members. Um, interestingly, all of those waivers under the TRIPS agreement uh, that the, the, the committee is meeting today are all related to public health reasons. Uh, particularly, we know um, 20 years ago, uh, the world suffered from HIV AIDS and pandemic. So the um, trade ministers around the world came together and decided to take actions that triggered uh, a waiver for government to um, not apply some obligation under the WTO agreement for for a time for uh, temporarily. So we think if we were able to do that, um, we were able to do this. Again, mm. if the government can come together and stand for people's life over profit. A prominent protest leader in Thailand, Parit Chirarak, says he's concerned about his own safety after Thai Prime Minister Prayat Chanocha warned authorities would use all laws and all articles against protesters who broke the law. 
RTHK's Bangkok correspondent Larry Jagan told Anna-Marie Evans that those fears were justified, with no end in sight to the unrest. Oh, there's no question he should be concerned about his safety. Uh, I, I'm not sure that it, he, he's, he necessarily needs to fear for his life, but there's no doubt that the police are cracking down on the on the leaders. They said they were considering their just majesty against uh, the protest leaders, but as yet they, they're still investigating uh, how, how they might go about it or whether they will go about it. But there's no doubt uh, that the government is beginning to take a hard line. The police, of course, say they're not taking sides, that they're simply uh, trying to ensure law and order. But there's little doubt uh, that the forces, the security forces, uh, are lined up very much against uh, the student leaders. There's little doubt that this is going to escalate uh, even further. The students have been out on the streets now for several months. Uh, the uh, parliament rejected the uh, attempts to change the constitution, and that leaves little room now for uh, political discussions. So, indeed, as these protests develop, I mean, you've got, uh, obviously, uh, tens of protesters who've already been charged. Now the police might use uh, Les Marges to, to uh, charge them as well. So that really takes it up a level. Oh, yes, there's no question that that, that, that issue, which is the issue that that most people uh, are split on, uh, the criticism uh, or the suggestion that they need to change uh, the monarchy. Uh, it, it makes this a, a, a much more uh, fragile situation, a much more precarious situation. Uh, the, the military, uh, although they say they're not in, in power, uh, are certainly the power behind the throne, uh, and, and they will stand fast. Uh, talking to people on the street, I mean, there, there are many who sort of feel very strong sympathy towards the students. They understand that uh, this is, this is, this is the, the 21st century and Thailand, to some extent, is still lagging behind in terms of its feudal approach to, to politics. Uh, but they still will not hear of criticism against uh, the king. Uh, and, and, and the suggestion that, you know, he's been spending too much time outside the country, uh, that, that he's been disrespectful to Thai culture, uh, these photos that have circulated with him allegedly having uh, tattoos, um, they're just incredu incredulous. Uh, they don't believe it. Um, but so so it, 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 it's still going to be split, I think, down the, on the grounds of the monarchy. In terms of Prayut re resigning uh, and the military getting out of politics, I think there is growing support amongst the Thai people for that, uh, although they're not coming at necessarily out on the street to support them. Uh, as, as one friend of mine, one of my students, said, look, um, the, the, my heart is strong, uh, but my flesh is weak. In other words, she, she felt she couldn't dare go out onto the street. She, she couldn't risk it. Uh, but, but the sympathy is definitely there for the students' general political aims. Millions of years ago, a change in the Earth's climate killed off more than 95% of the planet's ocean life and 70% of life on land. New research into the cause of these deaths could help us understand the world's current environmental plight. The BBC's Peter Goffin reports. We've all heard the asteroid theory. How a giant space rock hit the Earth 66 million years ago and led to the extinction of the dinosaurs. But there was another mass extinction long before that one. 
252 million years ago, in fact, that wiped out the vast majority of life on this planet. It's called the Great Dying. And two new research reports have determined the probable cause. Massive carbon dioxide and methane emissions caused by the burning of fossil fuels. It all started with volcanic eruptions in what is now Siberia. Lava and magma burned through huge deposits of coal and oil, creating more carbon emissions than humans have since the dawn of the Industrial Revolution. One of the recent studies identified this spike by measuring the acidity levels, or pH, in fossils of seashells. That team was led by Dr. Hannah Jurakova from the University of St. Andrews in Scotland. The ocean pH is directly linked to the CO2 in the atmosphere, so we were actually able to trace the origin or the trigger of the extinction, and we traced it back to a large uh, pulse of carbon dioxide from volcanism. The kind of big question always been, how come the extinction started so suddenly? From what we're seeing in the study, the real spike would have come from the intrusion to these um, organic-rich deposits and when they released the CO2. Dr. Jurakova said that understanding what happened to marine life 252 million years ago could help put our current environmental problems into context. The Earth has changed immensely since the Permian-Triassic period, but we are once again facing a rise in carbon emissions, a warming planet, and high levels of acidity in the oceans. That's making it harder for species like oysters and clams to form shells, and it causes the bleaching of coral reef. As soon as you release a huge amount of CO2 to the atmosphere, like the, the first effect is warming and acidification of the ocean, and that's very detrimental for many organisms. So the, the kind of the worrying thing is the predictions for the end of the century. If the temperatures continue to rise and the CO2 being emitted, then the ocean will also get more acidic, and that will eventually uh, be very hard for many organisms to cope with that. We are moving toward those consequences at an alarming speed. Those ancient volcanoes burned through more fuel than humans ever have. But we are churning out emissions 14 times faster. Those stories were part of the Newswrap program, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Todd Harding from our newsroom. Amid the epidemic, thanks to all for being self-disciplined to protect yourselves and others. Thanks for keeping up personal and environmental hygiene and contributing to fighting the virus. We must take further steps. Keep track of your whereabouts. If you are sick, don't go to work or school. See the doctor and get tested promptly. We will prevail over the epidemic. Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details. Fight, Fight the, the virus. virus. Stay, Stay vigilant. vigilant. Live across Hong Kong. This is Radio 3. January to December We'll have moments to remember Remember, remember, remember. Thank you for waiting for nostalgia With Ray Codero all the way until 1 a.m. This is the music of Mantovani, Claire de Lune. 